A draw is better than a loss. I am the champ. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. <laughs> no I, <didn't. laughs> I, I believe that is the quadruple. Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Come on, Jared Goff. Come on. Any trade that involves you getting Drew Locke, you probably lost. Well, I guess everyone knew more than I did. The amount of times that you have been on stage with less than reputable clothing. Yes, indeed. We have no shit. Enough said on that. I can neither confirm or deny. Shout out to um, Raccoon Red. Clearly, I have a lot of opinions about this. Hello and welcome to another episode of Improper Fantasy Football. My name is Mark. And I'm Justin. That's right. We have back Justin in-house back again because Biz taking a little bit of a break. He's had such an exhausting season, just absorbing football. Although, to be fair, he was probably the most correct out of all of us in picks and, uh, <laughs> and, and everything this past year. So, you know what? Kudos to him. He's deserved a little bit of a break, although I think his break is actually work-related. Yeah, kudos. Kudos, Biz. Kudos. Justin, how have you been doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. You know, things have been looking up pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, the season didn't end the way I would like it to for either in real life, real life football or fantasy football. But, you know, um, you got to take things as they come sometimes. I am going to have to give you a bit of crap right now because I gave you the opportunity to kind of bring things to a head with Biz. Uh, mm -hmm. And in you guys decided not to take it. Uh, neither of you wanted anything to do with a theoretical week 18 matchup that I could have put together for the two of you. Yeah, but week 18 football is just so not interesting. I mean, even Maybe. this year, it could have been, but you know, it just really, it's never really interesting. So many people sit, so many people don't play, like they just, you know, whatever. So it's not really a good time to really play any sort of fans football. Yeah, I'm just going to say both of you guys were chicken. We, yeah, that's probably true, but, you know. <laughs> now that we're bringing back old wounds and things like that, listeners, what did you think of this past season? We've now set the season to bed. We have champions, back-to-back -back champions for the first time in, what, 18 seasons, 19 seasons, something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we are firmly living in the world of Pat Mahomes from now until the uh, somebody else <laughs> says that it is otherwise. But, listeners, what did you take from this past season? Uh, I'm going <laughs> to let you know that... Uh, I'm enjoying a nice glass of bourbon with me today. Don't have a beer with me, but uh, got some Knob Creek 12-year, which is uh, quite nice. That does look pretty nice. I wish I had something with me, but unfortunately I do not. So I really should have changed that, but oh well. <laughs> next time. Next time. And uh, speaking of next time, this is episode 99 according to my count, which means that the next time that we meet in some way, shape, or form, in a full format, it's going to be the 100th episode once we get there. What? No, I don't know. I've been here since the very first one. Maybe <laughs> only missed like two or three of them, but I've been here for every single one. Uh, I don't know when the next episode's going to be. Uh, there, Since it's the off-season, there's not a necessity for us to have a weekly podcast. It might be next week. Uh, might be in a couple of weeks. I might not be there. I might be there, but uh, I'm planning for there to be something fun happening that week that we actually do that. Uh, so you listeners, keep an eye to. out. I do, I do. I, I don't need know. to be there for the 100th episode. Come on, that's a special one. You can't say you should not going to be here. <laughs> you know, work is work, and it depends on when things can happen. <laughs> uh, but uh, looking, that's looking towards the future. We're going to start off by looking at the past. Uh, Justin, looking at 2023 in general, that whole season, was there anything that stuck out to you as far as what the season meant to you, how the season meant as a whole, or anything? 
overall, I think I've said this before, I think last time I was on, unfortunately, this season was marred by injuries from week one all the way through to the end. Um, not going to necessarily bring up my hot take that uh, was brought up in the last one, but I don't know if overall the most talented teams were in the playoffs um, or won the whole Super Bowl thing, but well, of course it not. just the was Seahawks one of those things. There. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, definitely exactly what I was referring to. But, you know, it was, it was, I hate to say not a down season, but it was still a very excited season, even though that we didn't have um, the highest level of play. As we can probably talk about the MVP race and all that kind of stuff too. Just kind of things were a little bit down. That was kind of my, my opinion of this last season, unfortunately. And, and that's what my takeaway from this is, was as well. I, I've mentioned it multiple times to Biz that uh, this seems like this was a season that I don't want to say it took a step back because there were a lot of stories that progressed. There were a lot of answers to questions that were popped up. Um, and the, the thing that I took away the most is I don't think that the viewing experience from this season was as good as it had been in years past, partly due to the fact that we had so many great teams kind of cut down by injury. Uh, we were robbed, I would say, uh, from what was potentially the best season we've ever seen of Kirk Cousins. Not a quarterback that we frequently talk about as being in this upper echelon, but he was potentially having this type of season that you're like, you know what? He's kind of feeling like he's throwing Matt Stafford type numbers here and there. And I agree with, with you on that as well, because like actually, by the numbers, halfway through the season, he had an MVP candidate kind He was of the leader. Yeah, 100%. easily. Kirk Cousins, really. Kirk you Cousins. Know. And keep in mind that for half of that part, he didn't have Justin Jefferson either. He was getting the ball to TJ Hawkinson. He was throwing it up to Jordan Addison. He was even mm -hmm. getting Chai Chandler and Alexander Madison to be early season like fantasy darlings for a while. Exactly. Yeah. That's really unfortunate the way how he got injured. You know, and then I guess, you know, a, a side story of the season, not necessarily just about injury. It'll be the year of the backup as well, because every backup kind of came in for a good two to three weeks after their main quarterback got injured and looked like they were not going to miss a beat. Because, like, yep. um, you know, the pastronaut right after. Uh, Gotta love Josh Kirk Dobbs. Cousins, yeah, he looked like he was like the real deal for a good, you know, three or four weeks. <laughs> and don't discount your guy there in Cincinnati, Jake Browning. Oh, of course. Yeah, it was a brown town for a while in Cincinnati. So, yeah, it was great. <laughs> Brown Town in, in a different part of Ohio. Love yeah. it. Mm -hmm. um, it but you could, go, you could go down the entire league and you could say, hey, you could take a look at uh, Aiden O'Connell in Las Vegas, who looked like uh -huh. a competent starter for a few weeks, or Jarrett Stidham uh, towards the end of the season with Denver. Uh, how many quarterbacks went through in Pittsburgh? Mitch Trubisky got in the mix for a little while. Every uh -huh. single backup quarterback that existed played for the Cleveland Browns oh, and Joe yeah. Flacco. And actually, actually, I, I, I only thought of this right now that like, uh, I think most people would agree that like that, that, that award that he won for comeback player of the world definitely should have been DeMar Hamlin because Joe Flacco said that it should have gone to DeMar Hamlin. But the fact that he won comeback player of the year in, as the best backup, you could argue out of all of the backups that played that year, that. Uh, award was essentially he's the representative of the regular season right i would agree with that as well <laughs> more things change the more things stay the same uh green bay uh versus dallas green bay versus in the dallas, playoffs always 
always ends that way. <laughs> always I mean, ends I, that way. It seemed like there was even like a small. I, I'm sorry, I might be mistaking about the game, but wasn't there a little bit of a did he catch it? You know, Des caught it kind of moment in that game, or was that a different game? I feel like it was in that game. There was a a pass that looked like it was going to be caught, and then they extended. I might be mistaking the games, but you know, it was still a very good good moment. I can't recall that off the top of my head. Honestly, the what I will say is that I think that the playoffs were better than the regular season this past year as well. Playoffs um, were better than the regular season. I would agree with there that. There were a lot of comebacks that happened in this past season. There was a lot of these teams aren't quite there yet, but you can see the future from both the Lions and the Packers. Both of them showed up in big ways. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the Lions and the Packers, I mean, they're not there yet because they just didn't win the game, but they were right in the game at the very moment, yep. at the very end of the game. So, I mean, just a tip ball one way or the other or a field goal actually going through the uprights, we could have a whole different, you know, Super Bowl. Another thing I want to take a look back on in 2023 is a look at how the coaches did this past year. Yes. Kyle Shanahan had his best opportunity to get a monkey off of his back in the in the Super Bowl. And I don't necessarily think that I mean, clearly he didn't, but I think he did a lot more to prove that he is evolving. He is improving, which is, is part of Kyle Shanahan's game. But there's just something that, you, that you're like, I don't I don't know what it is about him if he can't get past it. It's kind of like Andy Reid earlier in his career. Yeah. OK, so. Going with coaching overall, I think that coaches never get the credit and they always get the blame. I mean, it's kind of how it always is. You talk about like Black Friday or Black Monday when um, Black Monday, when, what yeah. coach is going to be fired. And still, sometimes when I know people always say that same thing with the quarterbacks as well. This is going back to my point a little bit from last week where I talked about is it more Andy Reid or is it more Patrick Mahomes? Like yeah. the coaches always get the blame when things don't go right. The quarterback always gets the glory when things do. So you You're not blame... referring to Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley, right? I mean <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I mean, I think I was had a joke about being a mediocre quarterback like all the time like with Biz, but you know, still <laughs> still trading one mediocre quarterback for another one. This season he kind of played a little bit mediocre, but whatever. Um yeah, no, but seriously, the quarterbacks always get the credit. The coaches never get the credit. But I think, honestly, I think that the 49ers would not have been there without the coaching, because the coaching was actually really good this season. But he was going to get knocked for not actually winning the Super Bowl, which is unfortunate, even though he was right there at the very end. What would you say was your biggest surprise from this past season? That's a tough question. Um, I would say my biggest surprise of this past season would have to be the Tennessee, not sorry, not Tennessee Titans, but the Houston Texans. You know, I don't yep, that's anyone, exactly where I am. Anyone saw that coming down the road. Because um, like you go from being the second worst team only because Lovey Smith, you know, won a game that <laughs> no one expected him to win to being, you know, in the playoffs and the number one seed in the AFC South. That's crazy. Yep. I'm in one season. Really because of two players he drafted, essentially. And that's it. Yeah. And and CJ Stroud. I was gonna say that the biggest surprise for me this season was how well and how immediate CJ Stroud appeared in this league. And yeah. you could argue that there are all those players that we were seeing on this team that were mid-season, like how great is Nico Collins really? And uh and Tank Dell, like this was the steal of the entire draft from a mm-hmm. wide receiver. 
clearly it was Puka Nakua. But the the um the biggest surprise coming out, like how ready an Ohio State quarterback was that took a team that had been so bad uh in the so wake bad. of the Deshaun Watson trade and mm-hmm. took this team to the playoffs over Trevor Lawrence, who had a slump that I don't think anybody predicted at the time that it happened. Yeah, that's true. Um, I still don't really know what happened to the Jaguars this year overall. I mean, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, that's, I don't know. He was very pedestrian. But the Texans, they looked great all the way around, like you just said. Uh, I'm really excited to see what the future of the AFC South looks like, because that whole division is loaded at quarterback for the time being, assuming that Will Levis does end up being their future for the next few years. And honestly, I don't have any reason to believe that he's not for the last few years, because he showed flashes. Uh, he can be that mobile quarterback and throw the ball down the field. Let's just make sure that he can have the vision of the field as well, which was his problem. Yeah. And actually, I'm going to shout out uh, Tom Grassi. I'm not sure if you know who that is. The YouTube oh, star. Grassi Posse. Uh, Grassi Posse Packer Nation. Where it, you don't have to be a Packers <laughs> fan, but it sure does help. Exactly. Yeah. Shouting him out a little bit right here. Like the shrouds is what he's called them all season. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, the Houston Texans are basically the... CJ Strouds. That's what they yep. are now. But you know, but he is now my pick for like the I expect him. I have no reason to think that he will not be a top quarterback in the league from here on out. I don't see a reason why he wouldn't because once again, my biggest metric about how to judge a quarterback is to take is the delta between when they came into the league and when where they took them, basically. Yep. And no one right now has had that delta bigger. Than CJ Stroud going from like the second to worst team to being in the playoffs in the same year he was a rookie. That's crazy. That's my biggest uh that's my biggest point with him. So definitely love CJ Stroud ended up his season with a near 64% completion percentage, which is a little insane. low in today's uh day and age, but still for, for a rookie. rookie is crazy. For uh 4,100 passing yards, 23 touchdowns, which you're like, oh, it's only 23 touchdowns. Cool your Jets. Not a lot of people passed 20 yard, twenty touchdowns this past season. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he only had five interceptions. Passer rating of over 100 for his rookie year. Not many quarterbacks in NFL history can say that they've had a, a passer rating that high as a rookie. So the sky's the limit for him. And I think everybody's rooting for him at this point. Yeah. And honestly, as another person I'd like to shout out as well would be Jordan Love. Um, Absolutely. Because- I, I, this is not his rookie season, but effectively it kind of was, you know, like he's been in the league for a little bit, but this is his first year as a starter. He came out a little bit shaky from time to time, but he led the the Packers to look like a competent team when even Aaron Rodgers didn't really do that last year, which is kind of insane. One, two, three, four, five, six. Then the last half of the season, uh, Jordan Love went six and two uh, after mm-hmm. starting the season three and six. Um, yeah. A complete flip. Um, and it seemed to me like their season really began on that Thanksgiving game uh, against the Lions that a lot yeah. of people were not expecting them to do just as dominant from. But you're 100% correct. Jordan Love uh, proved to everybody that you can take a chance on your pick that you took a couple years ago. And you now have a future. Now, because they took so long, he's due for a contract at some point soon. But I love the what they did with him last year, where they did not give him a fifth-year option. They gave him a kind of a, a, a an interesting extension that could be bigger than a fifth-year option if he proved it. I would not be shocked. Deal. Yeah, it was definitely a prove-it deal. 
And I wouldn't be shocked if he was one of the quarterbacks that got broken off this this offseason as well. I don't think they have to, but I think they're building their brand around what Jordan Love can bring, and I'm all for it. Definitely. I would 100% agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned him earlier as well, and I can't really call him a surprise because he was here from day one of the season. It seems like Puka Nakua was just everywhere the entire year. Uh-huh. Uh, but and and as much as I hate the fact that the uh, the Rams got away with getting him in the fifth <laughs> round, you can't help but love the production, the co- the poise that he brings, and the fact that he's just he kind of fits with everything that's a LA personality type team. Uh, he he's he's the future of wide receivers, possibly in that entire division, uh, and. When you've got a division that's got the likes of DK Metcalf uh, and uh, Debo Samuel, and as I've mentioned multiple times the past couple months, Brandon Ayuk, who is also here now too. Yeah, there are some actually some up and coming tight ends, um, tight ends, sorry, wide receivers yeah. in the league right now, which is kind of interesting. I mean, uh, with with Puka Nakua, I don't think anyone saw that coming out of anywhere. Maybe because he has a great. Um, great partner on the other side who's uh you know standout wide but receiver Cooper well. wasn't there the first month he wasn't but he still learned <laughs> a little bit from him he was there as he was in the locker room he wasn't necessarily there but you know what I mean. fair enough so yeah so love listeners puka. i love puka too and i also lo- hate him and i hate to love him and i love <laughs> to hate him uh yeah. listeners uh what else from this past season stuck out to you please let us know our twitter handle is at a proper fantasy and our uh, Gmail account is improperfantasypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so we're going to leave the past. We're going to focus on now right now. Uh, we don't have, mm-hmm. uh, we, we have the beginning of the the period where people can be franchise tagged. Nobody has been tagged yet. Um, and we have all actually seen decisions get made by certain teams that have allowed their players say, hey, we're not going to tag you. And we invite you to go to free agency. Most notable mm-hmm. out of all of that is Baker Mayfield with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whom the, the Bucs have said, we are not tagging you. You go out and negotiate what you can, but they are also expecting that whatever he's going to get offered is what they're comfortable paying him as well. I think that's actually a wise move, honestly. Um, you know, let him see what the market actually is, and then he'll just pay him whatever the market says he is. Yeah. And I think, honestly, after this year, he's going to get a decent little ask for it. So we'll see what actually happens. Kind of the same thing that happened with oh, kind of the same thing that happened last year with uh, Lamar Jackson, I think. So oh, oh, Lamar Jackson. I thought you were going to say Geno Smith. Oh, and Geno Smith. uh, They paid him the kind of that they rewarded him for uh, a season that wasn't necessarily all about him, but they kind of gave him that mythical mid quarterback money that rewards him for doing better. But you're 100 percent correct. It's similar to what they did with Lamar Jackson, where they let him go out try to negotiate for what he wanted or have the conversation since he was under the tag and can have those free conversations. Uh, I Uh would definitely compare it more with Geno Smith where except they're giving him a little bit more of a pass than Geno Smith did because they're saying, go tell us your price. We want to know what it is too. And we want to give you in good faith, whatever you find that's best, we'll either match it or put a little bit of sugar on top of that too. That is probably a better, a better, you know, comparison to, but, but still same kind of idea. So, um, yeah, I was going to say like, um, is there any other signings that you see happening over this, over this break that you're really interested in? Like I have a few people who I'm kind of targeting, trying to figure out what's going to happen with them, mainly Chris Jones of Kansas city. I mean, that's clearly the guy that 
like when we get to like the later part of the season, the last couple of years, I, I say this over again. I pound my fist on the table. Chris Jones, Javon Hargrave, these defensive tackles that are playing like they're Aaron Donald. Uh, I, I don't think no. a lot of people were expecting that a defensive interior defensive tackle was going to be the biggest name in free agency. And yet nobody's shocked at the level of talent that's demanding no. this price. Uh, right. I think somehow he's going to end up with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think they'll find a way because you can still restructure Pat Mahomes' contract to just essentially make money for days because he's still got years and years and years left on that. You can play around with that. Uh, but what about the potential of him in other places? Honestly, I I see I'm not as optimistic he'll sign with the Chiefs as I think you are because he was already kind of you know wishy-washy about even signing under the tag this year um or even well, sure, he did, but nobody wants to play under the tag these nobody days wants to sign a, yeah so i mean i don't know if that's really going to be a thing where he's gonna want to sign back up again for all that so i would love to see him um actually i kind of think this might happen i kind of would love to see him in the AFC, in the nfc north uh playing with the lions that's my personal thought oh wow hmm that's an interesting idea. Honestly, I, mean, I hadn't really random. considered putting him in there because you've got Ali McNeil who's been doing so well underneath mm -hmm. uh, the the Dan Campbell administration. But if you put Chris Jones alongside McNeil and alongside Aiden Hutchison with James Houston, oh my God. But that's kind of where I was kind of targeting him to land in that area. Um, but, you know. I do have happens. another thought in my mind of where he could end up. And I thought this is where you were going to go uh, because a team that's going to need him is going to want to lock him up for like three to four years. Sure. He's going to want to go to a team that already has a quarterback that's established. He's want to want to go to a team that has a history of success and he's going to want to go to a team. Uh, probably that's going to be playing a three, four because that allows him to play as that end situation. You know, I think I'm going with this. I think he, his best fit outside of Kansas City is the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, of course, because the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs are actually very similar. A lot of people don't really, especially on defense. But I don't think that he'll be needed next to DJ Reader if D they sign DJ Reader again. DJ Reader's a nose tackle, though. He is a he is a pass rushing tackle, so he would fit sure. as the defensive end on the inside of the whichever linebacker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're smiling, listeners. He's I, I, going through this vision in his head. He's like, I can, I can't get hope. I can't. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think that would happen. Um, mostly because I'm on the other side. Unfortunately, as a Bengals fan, I know the Bengals don't like to spend that kind of money for any single player. They, they have did. sixty-one million in cap. Don't. I understand, but still, they dropped a lot for Joe Burrow last year. I don't think they're going to be. Uh, I mean, they're probably going to look to re-sign T. Higgins somehow because they like to keep their players who they sign and i just don't know there's gonna be enough room at the end of the day but we'll see ideally that'll be lovely lovely to see that happen but you know i don't know i just can't believe that will happen well let's stick with there then with the player that you just said t higgins is another uh hot yep. topic for uh potential free agency or what's going to go on with cincinnati and it's not just T. Higgins who is going to be uh, on the market as well. Tyler Boyd is also a free agent as well, which really only leaves uh, Jamar Chase as the lone player who's, by all accounts, is going to get broken off on a contract this year. They're going to give him yep. his fifth-year option and then just sign him because yep. you want to keep your quarterback happy. 
And if you can keep your quarterback happy by signing his best buddy in the world, who also happens to be one of the best wide receivers in the league, like you just do that. You just do that. Exactly. And so so where does that leave Higgins? Higgins is going to be signed. He's going to be either franchise tagged or he's going to be signed to a new deal. That's what's going to probably going to happen most most, between those. What will happen? Uh, Boyd is probably the question. Uh, I mean, like, will Higgins be signed or will Higgins be franchised? Uh, I think that he will be franchised, but he wouldn't live out the whole season as a franchise. They'll probably make a deal with him midseason. That's my thought. They're probably just going to well, do they, buy some they time. can't do that. So the way the franchise tag works is if they don't have a contract by mid July, then they can't negotiate with him until the next offseason. Really? I thought that yep. you could. You could potentially, if. I think there are like transition tags and things like that that you can no well if I by not signing that franchise tag until mid July you have the ability to still negotiate uh, with the team to be able to find a new contract uh, and uh, you don't get fined for the uh, the practices that you're holding out on. Okay, honestly, I did not I was not aware of that. So uh, yeah, if that's the case, then I think that he's probably going to be signed for a new deal. My personal opinion. Then gotcha. That's kind of how uh, I see that landing. Let's see. But there's there a lot other... of the there's a couple of other names. There are a lot of like like good grit players like Jalen Johnson, Legarius Sneed, uh Antoine Winfield Jr., Christian Wilkins, Justin I... Matabike, who's gonna have like his one thing. Honestly, you don't have to even go that deep. There's some other ones that I think are pretty interesting too. Like even the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings right now. Yeah, Kirk He's, Cousins. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh Josh Allen of the for the um not the not Josh Allen for the for the Bills. Edge rusher, Josh, Josh, Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's quite a few of them that are actually kind of really interesting. I don't know what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. Part of me believes that he's going to go to the New England Patriots because he's an established quarterback who kind of gets along with everybody. And with the yeah. Patriots having the pick that they've got, they can grab Marvin Harrison Jr. and solve the biggest issue that they've had, even at the end of the Tom Brady era, was they just haven't had like a decent like number one weapon. And you're going out and getting one of the best prospects since Jamar Chase. <laughs> well, about Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, so here in Chicagoland, I know a lot of this <laughs> is going to be kind of just random. I'll give you some rumor that's been at least floating around, at least on the Ooh, talk Breaking radio rumors, here. maybe not yeah. breaking, but you know. Yeah, so the thought process is, I'm sure you probably all know that uh, the quarterback here, um, Justin Fields, is a free agent as well. Uh, or not free agent. No, he's not a free agent. Sorry, he's not a free agent, but he's probably going to be traded this, le- this year. He's a lame he's, duck. He's a lame duck. So the thought process is what I've heard, at least on our radio, which could be wrong, because, you know, it sometimes is, that they already have a deal in place that they're waiting on finaling details with. Uh, so agreed to in principle that Justin Fields will be traded. In return, they're going to get a pick that will put them in play for Marvin Harrison Jr. And that's their target. So we will well, see. Then that has to be the third pick. Has to be the third pick, has most to be likely. The third pick. Most so, likely. And that means that potentially that also means that the Patriots are targeting J.J. McCarthy. True. So we'll see if that's true. I don't know if that's true or not. It's just rumor. Rumor mill. I've heard a lot over the past couple of weeks involving uh, Justin Fields. I've heard Denver could potentially be a target for him. I've heard the biggest name, of course, is Atlanta. Uh, That's that's where everybody is saying right now. But I've actually been hearing uh, the same places that, that Justin Fields could go. 
shocker, are also the same places that Kirk Cousins could go. So the two right. most likely targets I've seen either finding a way to stay in Minnesota, uh, which honestly I wouldn't be that mad about considering how he how he, well he did this past year. Uh, but I think they're kind of in cap hell, and I don't think they can afford Kirk Cousins after this season unless they part ways with some of their bigger talents, and they still have to re-sign Justin Jefferson uh, since he's now eligible for his fifth year and the extension. But the Patriots and the the Falcons are the most likely uh, landing spots for both Fields and Cousins in whichever order you want to put them, I think. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing a big just carousel because I think that they're all that these quarterbacks are kind of in the wrong spot. Justin Fields, um, Mac Jones, Russell Wilson, and Kirk Cousins. They all could just switch places, and I think they'll be better fit all around. Uh, so Russell Wilson, I think, will be a decent fit. I mean, honestly, Kirk Cousins is fine in Minnesota, but Russell Wilson will be a great fit in Minnesota, I personally think. I mean, well, he's already succeeded up in in that part of the country when he played for Wisconsin, so you know he doesn't mind the cold. Yeah. Now, uh, I think that um, that Justin Fields is probably going to be ending up in um, will probably end up in uh, Denver. I think it'll be oh, great Denver. in Denver. I think it'll be great he in would Denver. Too. Um, and then I think that Mac Jones will be better in Chicago than he is in Minnesota, in uh, in in um in New England. And uh, who am I missing? Mac Jones Sorry. to the Falcons. Mac, Mac Jones jo- to the Falcons. Mac Jones somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Mac Jones goes somewhere. Uh, I think the honestly, what you need to do to make to allow Justin Fields to succeed is you need to allow him to be in a system where they're comfortable letting him. Yes. Uh, so which which places are are uh what's the term? Which places allow for people to run uh, as much as they have been right now? You need to have a lot of weapons, and you need to have decent offensive linemen. And I mm-hmm. think the combination of both of those is where the sticky part is right now because you can think about well, who's got a good offensive line uh in the league that's looking for a quarterback, and you can make the argument that really none of the teams with good offensive linemen are looking for quarterbacks right now. Uh, which teams are looking for, have a lot of weapons. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to deny that the most untapped potential out of weapons in the NFL is probably the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. See, no, the reason why I kind of like, I mean, I know this is not going to happen, but still, the reason why I like Justin Fields over to um, Denver is Denver. simply because of Sean Payton. That's the reason why I like it. I think that Sean Payton will be really good with Justin Fields. Um, mostly because he is a, I wouldn't say he's an established running back, established quarterback, <laughs> slip of the tongue there, I guess, but established quarterback, but he is still young enough and he's shown some glimpses that I think Sean Payton would be willing to work with that, which is kind of a risk, race. exactly where I'm kind of thinking, you know, so you got to yeah. show some flashes and then he has a talent that is not available in Russell Wilson, honestly. So it is a different type of talent than. Sean Payton has been used to before because think about the players that has played that has been quarterback for him. He's had Drew Brees, who is not a mobile quarterback. Uh, he had Teddy Bridgewater uh, for a bridge period of time, who is not a mobile quarterback. Yeah, Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton, they're not mobile quarterbacks either. I'd say I'd argue that the most mobile out of them is Teddy Bridgewater, and I would not call him a more mobile quarterback. It's true. True, true. true. So I agree. It's that. something new. For Sean Payton, and you could also make the argument that by working with Russell Wilson this past season, he may have already put a system in place to allow people to scramble. And with the degradation of Russell's scrambling skills that we've seen over the past two years, it just didn't work. Doesn't so work. It, to your point, it might already be tailor-made for him. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. 
Uh, I want to throw out one more uh, arguably Hall of Fame caliber player that's going into a potential free agency uh, if he doesn't get tagged, and that's Mike Evans. Mike Evans. Yeah, exactly who I was thinking too. And I would love to have him in Cincinnati, actually. I was thinking about that one. If we have to get rid of Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins, he would be a nice little bring him in and just uh and kind of live with him in that space. So that's my my wishful uh backup plan in case something happens with T. Higgins or uh, Tyler Boyd. I have a uh an interesting thought process for imagine one of these two scenarios for Mike Evans. Um, imagine him going to one of the most fun cities in the entire country to play with one of the most player-friendly coaches in the entire league. You get Mike Evans uh, going to uh, Las Vegas to be on the opposite side of Devontae oh, Adams. And whether or not they decide that, hey, it's uh, Aiden O'Connell, or they say, you know what? We still got Jimmy G for cheap, and as long as he's had good weapons in the past, he's been productive. I, I personally don't think that's going to be the case. Or, 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 if I could be a seal for a second, maybe Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins actually would be. I could see him in Vegas, but I think Jimmy's done. I think I've mentioned in the text that, like, I think Jimmy is probably looking to not be in the NFL anymore. So that's kind of my personal thoughts. I think that he's kind of done. Jimmy G but, is done. But Mike Evans to, to I keep wanting to say Oakland, but it's not that. But Mike Evans to the Vegas. Raiders, I think Makes that, sense. that like, especially if you get a, a bounce back year from Josh Jacobs, if he signs back on a low deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that team has also got a pretty good young tight end in Michael Mayer as well. You've got an emerging defense who played well, and you've got a guy in Antonio Pierce that the team wants to play for. Wants to play for. You're right. Yeah, so, I mean that could be a dangerous team coming going forward, but we'll see. We'll have to see about that one. I'm not. I haven't really thought much about the Raiders, honestly. But yeah, that's a good thought. I like their thought process is uh, what if he plays on the opposite side of Amandra St. Brown? Justin yeah, Smiley once again. <laughs> once again, uh, like I'm, I'm really pulling for the um, the Lions next year. So that will be fun to yeah. see. That'll be a lot of fun. If you had a Super Bowl of the Texans versus the Lions next season, you would watch that. I would watch that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll be disappointed that it's not the Bengals versus the Lions. But I mean, sure. But I'm, 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 I've been disappointed that it's not the Seahawks for a decade now. Okay, so we can't always get what we want. True. Less time for you. Let <laughs> feel pain with the rest of us. Feel pain. Uh, well, your team has a Super Bowl, so you know. <laughs> hey, hey! Thank you for letting me know that. Hey, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. So, a couple of other things I want to mention while we're on the subject of my team is, in addition to free agents, there are a number of teams in the league that are going to be suffering from severe cap issues. And you're going to see mm-hmm. some very, very difficult cuts come from teams that you're like, well, they can't possibly move off from these players. And you have to think, well, I mean, they kind of have no choice. Yeah. Uh, right now, uh, I- I'm going to go ahead and put my own team on blast for a moment. They are, last I checked, they... They were about $4 million over the cap. Uh, and I believe mm-hmm. there has been a couple of decisions that have been made. Uh, Geno Smith, he, he, they did retain him uh, to get his bonus, which means he either is going to be traded to a team that's quarterback needy and feels they could win now, or, and I think this is just much more likely, they're going to recognize that 31 year old, uh, $31 million for a quarterback that is a pro bowler and Still played well last season, even if he did slide back with the production of the rest of the team. I think they're going to keep him. 
I think it's much more likely that you're going to see the likes of Jamal Adams get cut with a uh, post-June 1st designation. You're probably going to see the likes of Tyler Lockett be approached to take a contract restructuring or just outright Mm -hmm. cut or traded. And as much as I really like this guy, Quandre Diggs, uh, after being a pro bowler for three years in a row, took a massive step back this year. Uh, and he's making $21 million against the cap, and they can free up more than half of that by, by cutting ties with him. Uh, there are some easy cuts for the Seahawks, like Will Disley uh, and Brian Monet, who cutting those two is going to get you like close to $14, 15000000 million by themselves. But um, what do you think of those names potentially parting ways from the Seahawks, especially a guy like Tyler Lockett? That's that will be big and be really detrimental to the team. Honestly, it'd be hard to recover yeah. from losing some of those players, those names you mentioned. But you know, I mean, that's kind of how the NFL is this this time. You have to make some hard cuts somewhere. Um, yeah, Seahawks. That that is some that is some problems there. It's it's uh, a new coaching regime. They've got an idea about what they want to do. Yeah. Um, and, and that's some of the, these guys are Pete Carroll guys and not yeah McDonald guys. That's true, and a lot of these new coaches that are going to be coming in, taking the places that people like, uh, people people like in in Seattle and that kind of stuff. That is a big wild card that you can't really prepare for. So you don't know what the coach is thinking, what the new um you know GM is thinking or anything like that. So we'll have to see that Seattle might be an interesting place to look at over this uh, next few weeks. Um, kind of on that same kind of idea, another team that I'm kind of interested in seeing what's going to happen with, uh, would be the Browns. Um, because, well, because right now I think that you're probably going to have to make some cuts somewhere because they loaded up this year and, uh, with also with the Sean did Watson, well. and that, they did and, really well. Yeah. With, and with the Sean Watson's contract, you could only do so much at this point in time. I've heard rumor, um, that they might have to get rid of their all-star running back, you know, Chubb, uh, because they don't have enough money to make things happen. Um, so that will be interesting. Um, I'd like to see how they actually manage that um, that little minefield they might be walking through. Because once again, Chubb would be great to have on almost any team of the league. Yeah. I think what I you're going to see out of the Browns, uh, they're in a similar situation to the 49ers, who I want to bring up after the Browns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have a number of players on their roster uh, that they can restructure contracts for. And okay. the, the biggest the biggest problem of this is clearly the Deshaun Watson contract. Because the Browns gave him as much money as they did, and it's all guaranteed, unless mm-hmm. they find a a trade partner for Deshaun Watson who's willing to take that entire contract, they can't even cut him to be able to alleviate anything. If they cut him, they're right. just going to get a penalty for the future guarantees that are going to yeah. be hitting immediately, and then you're going to see them have to ditch everybody. But they can make a couple of moves. Uh, They can uh, restructure Denzel Ward. Uh, That'll free up about $11 million this year. They can restructure... uh, Actually, can they? No, they they can't even restructure Miles Garrett because his contract is is still relatively new compared to all of that. And it doesn't give that uh, flexibility because of the way his guarantees are. Uh, I think the most obvious cut for this team, uh, I think there's two obvious cuts for me. Uh, and the f- most obvious one to me is just going to be uh, Amari Cooper. Uh, he, he's he got a couple of years left, but you free up $12 million in space. It's hard to imagine that they're going to get rid of him. But 
you you are all the Browns are already twenty million dollars over the cap, and mm-hmm. if you don't get rid of Amari Cooper, you're gonna have to cut about five or seven of your top twelve players because the way the contracts they currently have up. You said it before; they loaded up. There are so many contracts on their books that mm-hmm. are going to be done in 2027, 2028, 2029, and those are the big ones. You can't cut them because right. it'll just you'll just lose money. But Nick Chubb, uh, but uh, Denzel Ward restructuring and Amari Cooper, those are your places where you can free up space. Yeah. Honestly, I still think Nick Chubb is probably going to be, I've heard rumor, but maybe that's because I am a Cincinnati Bengals fan and they talk about the Browns and they say Nick Chubb is probably going to have to move. And uh, that's kind of what I hear. So, you know, we'll see. Um, kind of on that same idea. They talk about Joe Mixon too. You know, they thought he yeah. might have to move as well. So, a lot of I mean, people, a lot of those. That's things more so about the fact that he's reaching that part of his contract where it's like, is it really, really worth paying a guy this much money? But at the same time, his cap hit is around eleven million. Mm-hmm. His he's only no sorry his cap hit's only about eight point eight million. Um, right. he is what's his age? He's twenty nine, thirty at this point, something like that. Yeah, but overall... 27, he's 27. Coming from a Bengals fan, you know, and uh, talking, listening to him talk about Bengals a lot of times. So the way they use Joe Mixon is not probably the way how he probably should be used, in all honesty. Simply because, you know, um, Joe Burrow typically plays in shotgun, not under center. And Joe Mixon's a downhill kind of runner. Uh, So he needs to... It's hard to get downhill running when you're in shotgun. We just get the ball handed to you. It's supposed to go. He's not really a scat kind of runner. So I've heard that they might be trying to save some money for T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd by cutting Joe Mixon. Well, I think you actually potentially have a trade partner that you can make. Because considering the type of player that he is, there is a team that has been trying to break through the playoff second round barrier for God knows how long. Uh, And really the one thing they were missing from their team this past season was a consistent downhill runner. Would you say no to let's say a second round pick from the Cowboys in exchange for Joe Mixon? A second round pick from the Cowboys in exchange, for which would be towards the back end of the second round. You're not you're not immediately saying no, despite your obvious hatred for the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's what I would get for Joe Mixon. Back half of the second round. Much? It's back half of the second round. Are they? Uh, let Let me go ahead and pull up my mock draft simulator, which is still on my screen, <laughs> and see okay. where the where the uh, uh, the Cowboys pick in the second round. They have pick number fifty six. It's not that bad. Um, yeah, I mean, for Joe Mixon, I think that might be fair. I might had maybe had to do some additional working there, maybe with like a back half second round and maybe exchange of some other players back and forth to make it more even. But I think it'll be fine. That's about right. All right. Yeah, we could something like that could possibly exist. And the the reason why is, like you said before, Joe Mixon is a downhill runner. There are teams in the league that still utilize players like that to Mm -hmm. some effectiveness. And you could argue that the team that's got the offensive line that can really do whatever you want in the league is the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Because they keep drafting offensive... 
I don't know. It is, but they also drafted Tyler Smith and they have Terrence Steele on this line as well. And there's a lot of thought process into them potentially taking uh, Taylor Guyton uh, at the end of this. They're just going for Taylors and Titans, for, uh, Taylors and Tylers <laughs> for every single player on their offensive line. And despite the fact that he's getting old, Zach Martin is still one of the top three guards in the league. So that's true. Tyron Smith is getting agent, 100%. Right. They've been stocking up the rest of their line with some youth as well, too. And I think that if they make a play to get Joe Mixon, they can put him in the right place. And actually, on that subject, Tyron Smith is also going to be free agent, too. So hmm. all the more reason why the Cowboys are likely looking at offensive tackle at the top of this year's draft. Okay. Yeah. I really haven't thought about what the Cowboys would need yet, but um, I'm sure that a lot of are people are. Are you telling me you to. haven't done five or more Cowboys mock drafts this year so far? <laughs> Cowboys mock drafts? No, I have not done a single one. <laughs> I have... I, I I think it's I, I just love making this a meme because every time I tell this to Biz, he just gets disgusted with me. But I, I know I've gone through every single team in the league mock drafting them at least four times. At huh. least four times. I've done every single team. Uh, and part of that is just to like think about where are the needs for these teams? What would I want to focus on in free agency? And like, what are the trades that could potentially happen? But more so than that, just getting used to who the players in this draft are so I can read about the bios when I'm like, okay, I'm in this spot. This team clearly needs a linebacker. Let me read about the linebackers that are in this spot that are appearing at the top so I can be familiar with them. And you could see some really, really interesting highlights. Uh, oh, gosh. Have you seen the – it's either North Dakota State or South Dakota State, the twins that are coming out of the draft this past year? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, gosh. Let me see. Uh, twins, <laughs> NFL – draft sorry listeners looking uh, it up too sorry <laughs> it's not north dakota state it must be south dakota state oh okay yeah sorry i had to look this up too as well so just filling for time and talking the randomly. janky twins jackson and Jaden janky janky south dakota state huh okay both uh, of them back. are wide receivers they're both uh expected to be among the top pass catching route runners that you get in this year's draft and both of them have expressed interest in moving uh, in providing into special teams but if you watch and keep in mind it's South Dakota State and the level of competition that they play against but watch some of their highlights both of them Jackson and Jaden Janky I don't know 21063 it's worse than that yeah yeah okay all right interesting I'll have to keep an eye out for him but thank you for that little uh a little heads up on a player who I haven't had on my radar at all. So, and, since you've done quite a few mock drafts, mm-hmm. do you have any good tight ends that, you get, that you're looking at? I mean, besides Brock Bowers? Besides Brock Bowers, yes. Okay, okay. Let me go ahead and pull up my, my spreadsheet that I've got here. Yeah, and then uh, also... Uh, go ahead. So, I'm just curious about a few people. And who do you expect the... Um, what do you expect is going to happen in uh, Carolina for the Panthers for their draft pick? Uh, honestly, it's going to be best. It's going to be best player available. Uh, It doesn't even matter like what the position is. It could be another wide receiver that they pair alongside uh, the likes of Jonathan Mingo. Uh, It could be an offensive tackle because they clearly need help on their offensive line. Uh Part of me thinks that what they're going to do is they're going to uh, give JC Horn some more help at corner uh, because the easiest way to be able to win a division that doesn't have the greatest quarterback play is you take out their best weapons. Um, okay. You also might consider at the spot of the draft that they're in, 
there's just a lot of defensive line and wide receiver that typically pots up. I'm frequently seeing players like Xavier Worthy, uh, Xavier Leggett, and Adonai Mitchell in that spot. And any one of those three, especially Adonai Mitchell, uh, are potential first-round targets as well. Okay, but they don't have a first round. They're going to be in the second round. Exactly. They're going to be pick number 33. But those players could all potentially be first round picks. So if you see why, this is a super deep wide receiver class. Super, super deep wide receiver class. That's all everybody's talking about is the top of the draft is going to be wide receivers. It's going to be quarterbacks. It's going to be offensive line. Um, Uh, A lot of skill positions. Lots of skill positions. Uh, Running back, honestly, is a little bit uh, worse for wear for this class. So if you need a running back, you can wait. Uh, quite a while. Uh, there are not a lot of interior linebackers to be found in this year's class at the top, but at the same time, you got some really good players. My favorite right now is Edger and Cooper. Okay. Just just a couple of names to keep out there. I will keep some. I will definitely save this part of the podcast so I can look up those people too. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Before we move on uh, from the uh, salary cap, I have to bring up the San Francisco 49ers because I know... Mark, who's listening to this podcast, heard me mention their name before. And he's like, oh, what's he going to say? Well, what I'm going to say is you're under the cap. or sorry, you're over the cap by uh, $8 million. Uh, and that doesn't account for your first round pick that's coming up. That doesn't account for any re-signings that you have to do. Um, the benefit is I do believe you have some ability to do some restructuring to make this a little easier. If you restructure Debo Samuel... And if you restructure uh, George Kittle, I think that gets you back over the cap. So just two skill position restructurings, you can make that work. Personally, I would honestly cut ties with Eric Armstead. However, you're really only freeing about $2 million by doing that. And honestly, if you're already on the hook for $26 million that you can't get rid of, you may as well just hold on to the guy. Uh, Last year, I would have told you you want to cut ties with Trevarius Ward, but not after the type of season he had this year. He looked really, really, really good. What you honestly may see is they'll probably trade away their first-round pick to somebody wanting to jump into their first round to get a quarterback. Okay, cool. Question for you. So Brock Purdy is the biggest question you always have about the San Francisco 49ers right now. He's still on his rookie deal, right? Uh, So when do they actually start renegotiating his contract? Uh, This is at the end of his second year. uh, He can only be negotiated at the end of next year. Yeah, so his contract runs out. It runs through 2025, I believe. Is that right? So next year. Yeah, so through the 2025 season. That is how long they have him for on his rookie contract. They can't give him a fifth-year option because he wasn't a first-rounder. They can right. apply a tag on him because that's still going to be de- decent market value price compared with everything. I, I think what's just going to happen is you're just going to figure out what's the best deal to offer him next year, and they're just going to lock him up. Okay. But uh, at that point in time, assuming the 49ers do well again, he's going to drive quite a dollar amount, I believe, for him. Um, have you so... seen what the 49ers have had a quarterback since the top of Colin Kaepernick's career? Oh, They I, desperately I want a consistent, good quarterback. Yeah, and so the best he... thing you've had is Jimmy G. That's true. Okay. So I'll basically stop by. But anyways, um, still... They're going to have to do something with numbers, I think, in the very near future. Probably not this year, but they probably need to start saving some stuff up pretty soon because they're going to have to empty the bank for him pretty soon. Well, maybe, but you have some players that are not going to be on the books uh, in a couple of years or so. Like I've mentioned before, I'm not the biggest fan of Eric Armstead. Uh, He's probably going to be gone. 
they're not going to resign him after next year because he'll be a free agent next year. Uh, yeah. I hated what happened to him in the Super Bowl, but Dre yeah. Greenlaw has got one year left on his contract and he may not play for any of it. Although, if Jordan Brooks can come back from a torn ACL at the very end of the season last year, I have a feeling that Dre Greenlaw can get there too. You will probably see Christian McCaffrey off uh, extended the possibility of either extending his deal um, mm-hmm. so that they can restructure his cap. Uh, but yeah, I if if I'm looking at this correctly, let me take a look at what the it's the 2026 season is what I need to see for the. That doesn't help me at all. I'm clicking on all the wrong buttons. Listener, Spotrack.com is is a lot easier than it sounds. But the, the, for the season that Brock Purdy is it would have a an extension hit the books they have 120 million in cap space for that series season because it's still two years out mm-hmm. so i think they'll be fine but you will see difficult decisions on who is going to stay and who's going to go um they will probably resign fred warner so that's going to take a good chunk out of the books i don't know if you're going to see Debo samuel get a third contract with them i would be shocked if they let george kittle go and they'll probably find a way to keep Traverius Ward, but I think you can keep that whole unit together. Now, that does mean they're not spending in free agency, but they find creative ways to be able to get a Chase Young on your roster mm-hmm. mid-season to be able to make things work. It's not quite as dramatic as the Los Angeles Rams F-them pick strategy from a couple of years ago, <laughs> but they understand the leverage of we've got the team now. We're not building for the future. We have to get good now. And they can find ways to leverage their cap to find players that fit within that. Okay. As much as I want to see this team just collapse and bury and fall into a, a pit of, of despair and decay, I, I do have confidence that they're it's going to be a, a, a much more successful resigning for all those players. Yeah, I still think that they probably have two more years of their window before things start looking kind of questionable. Two years for this makeup of the team, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree as well, uh, because <laughs> when you you'll also probably see at that point, Trent Williams will probably retire within the next couple of years. Yep. Uh, you're probably going to see them say goodbye to Debo Samuel. No, uh, Eric Armstead. And they will have some other young players that they brought out, but it's going to start looking dramatically different. And it's going to be Nick Bosa on one side of the ball and uh, Brock Purdy on the other side of the ball will be your faces of the franchise. Yep, and we will see then if Brock Purdy really is as good as everyone says he is. <laughs> so, I think that's all I want to talk about as far as yeah. teams with salary cap space. I could honestly go on for 10 hours and just talk about this. This is one of the most fun things for me. I love the numbers of the game. Uh, but uh, we've talked about the past. We've talked about the now. I want to talk about more of the future at this point in case. So do you have any wildly early predictions for either free agency, the draft, or even the 2024 season that don't just involve the Bengals winning the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, of Smile course. Smile coming on his face. Uh, yeah, Bengals winning the Super Bowl. That's definitely a thing. But actually, no, I uh, wildly early predictions. I do think that I, I, I am really on this idea that the that the Lions are going to make some crazy big splash signing over this thing i'm not sure what it's going to be it's going to be huge and you're like what in the world did this happen like just out of the blue something's going to happen um to the level of like a tyreek hill to miami kind of level big um something big is going to happen with the with the lions that's my personal thought um so that's my off-season prediction um i'm thinking chris jones something like that um let's see here Big prediction for next season. I have 
the um see i have the i really want to make it more more spicy than this because it's not really all the spicy as i think it would be but the texans i have them actually going to be into the afc championship game um against i'll leave that out yeah yeah um (laughs) yeah 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 i do think that this is probably either um either andy reed or um travis kelsey's last season um next year um if not both it could be both Mm-hmm. next season um and i do believe honestly just as if they lose chris jones i don't have my big spicy pick is i don't have the chiefs in the playoffs if they lose chris jones that is with the caveat if they lose chris jones if they lose chris jones uh, honestly i don't think that's far of us too far of a stretch um i probably wouldn't say out of the playoffs i'd probably say that they would not win the division uh, just because that is such a huge blow to the de- defense but uh, at the same time right now their whole division you just don't know about anything in that division but i like those takes uh i'm gonna give myself an off-season prediction um and this is uh, kind of a wish list for me but at the same time like i have to have nice things sometimes okay. uh, i'm gonna project that one of the best young edge rushers, Brian Burns, somehow signs with the Seattle oh, yeah. Seahawks. Okay. Um, I, I he his biggest comp that I'm seeing on PFF is his top comparison is Frank Clark, yeah. and Frank Clark is arguably the best edge rusher that Seattle had uh, over the past decade. And yeah. I think when you're dealing with a guy like Mike McDonald, who's trying to find the best ways to be able to develop pass rushers. Uh, and get to the quarterback and disrupt from the front of the line, I think you're going to find a way for them to bring in Brian Burns. And I think you're going to find a way, uh, they're going to find a way to also re-sign Leonard Williams. Uh, Part of that is going to be letting go of the back end of their secondary and Tyler Lockett and uh, probably restructuring DK Metcalf to make all of that work. But I I somehow feel that we are going to end up with Brian Burns, specifically him, not just any edge rusher, but specifically Brian Burns. Uh, with the draft, uh, I have a prediction that you are going to see the New York Giants trade up to the number one spot so they can pick their quarterback ahead of their division rival, Ooh. Washington Commanders. <laughs> the Giants trading up to number one spot. How will that work? Hmm. What are they going to offer They're, the Bears? The Giants are at six. The Giants are at a higher spot than the Patriots, uh, than the, the Falcons are. So they can offer a better pick. Uh, they also can offer uh, uh, offensive linemen uh, on a team that needs depth at that offensive lineman. Uh, they've got Evan Neal, who has not worked great at the right side, but he's projected and played well at guard, uh, which is mm-hmm. arguably the biggest need that the the Bears have. So you could arguably say, hey, we'll give you our first-round pick this year, we'll give you our first-round pick next year, and we'll give you a right guard in exchange for us to be able to go. They may have to give up another second-round pick just because of the value of having a top, the top pick in the draft in a year where uh, uh, the the Giants are only picking at six. If this was like the Patriots moving up to three, you wouldn't have to give up that much. But I do think that it's not outside of the wheelhouse that a team like the Giants can trade up to be able to go ahead and grab that. I would think in order for them to do that, they'll have to trade that pick for like the Patriots pick and then add something else to that pick to get the number one pick. Something yeah, they, to that that's not what the Bears got last year, though. 
the Bears had to go all the way back to pick number nine. True. But and this and year, now this year they want. I mean, it's kind of more. Oh, good point. What if they gave Darren Waller? Yeah. And you had a two tight end set to work with whatever quarterback is coming in to make it easier for your quarterback who feels comfortable making the good check down passes. Two tight ends and DJ Moore. <laughs> DJ Moore. That's 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 yeah. <laughs> good point. Cole Komet. Yeah. Good tight end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's Got not it. out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Something like that. Has, that's a big trade then. <laughs> You stole my thunder a little bit uh, with what my prediction for the next season was going to be because it is Houston Texans focused. Uh, And I'm not necessarily going to project how the playoffs are going to go, but here's my projection. I think that the Houston Texans are going to have a first round bye. Oh, yeah. Meaning they're the number one seed in the conference. Yeah, yeah, okay. I give you that. You're not even shocked. That's not even that far out there. It looks like yeah, to it's you. Not, I mean, honestly, I, I see that happening because I mean, they are in a relatively weak division. I think was going to be weak as well, so they're going mm-hmm. to be able to beat up on them. And then Baltimore's year is not going to be as easy as this past year if Joe Burrow's healthy. Right. Yeah. The AFC North, the AFC um, East, and West are just not going to be walks scary. in the park for anybody. Yeah, I mean, so the AFC South. Yeah, the Texans be... have to compete with the Texans, uh, and but you have two other young raw quarterbacks and Anthony Richardson and Will Levis that I think still need to develop. Even though Anthony Richardson is incredibly exciting to watch, I just don't True. think it, this is going to be his year. And you saw everything for the Texans and right. how good and how poised they were. And I know we said not to give as much uh, credit to coaches, but D'Amico Ryan's did a fantastic job in his first yes. season. Yes, yeah, D'Amico Ryan's, and uh, that's a good one-two combination that started at the same year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, D'Amico Ryan's and and the Shroud are yeah, that's a good one-two combination that I think is going to be good for quite a while together. Well, listeners, mm-hmm. uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about time today, uh, looking at the past, present, and future of what this NFL is going to look like through twenty twenty-four, uh, and that's what we've got for this. Uh, Justin, do you have any shout-outs? Uh, shout outs. Um, actually, come back to me. Go ahead. I want to hear your shout out first. I have an awesome shout out. I have a shout out to all of the fans who fell asleep during the NBA All Star game <laughs> <laughs> this past week. Oh my gosh. I, I don't think I was aware that that type of a score was possible. Uh, let me get the exact number uh, for our fans here. It was a record um, 211 to 186. Uh, and the insane. East was the first team to go over 200 points in the All-Star game. Uh, and, and honestly, you saw some like great show, like great show in the game. Like Dame Lillard looked phenomenal because he just kept lobbing up points. Cat uh, actually looked like he was a halfway decent player. And uh, Tyrese Halliburton, who's easily becoming the most exciting up and coming player in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Um, who's who's reaching that like upper echelon status, not just like, oh, he's up and coming. He's like, no, he's an all-star. This guy's uh, probably someone you're going to be knowing about for years to come, kind of like in the vein of how Paul George started coming up. I see him being in that type of vein of player eventually. Uh, but my guys, that game was just kind of a snooze fest. It's like you go to the to the Harlem Globetrotters game to say, oh, this will be fun. <laughs> and then you realize, wait, no, no, it's not. It's not really as fun as as you'd imagine it to be. So my yeah. shout out is to everybody who fell asleep in that game. 
Fair. So my shout out will be actually um, going to basketball as well. I'm going to go give my shout out to Caitlin Clark, who is absolutely yes. the most dominant uh, basketball player. I will say I'll say basketball player right now, um, male or female who are who's playing right now because no one else is on her level um, in her division. So, I mean, she's so far above everyone else. It's insane. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. it was plum's She's... record that she beat right it was yes but no um but caitlin clark uh i am excited for the uh for the tournament this year for the women's tournament honestly a little bit more than the men's because i don't know any of the men right now all i know is caitlin clark because she is dominating yep. the news cycle <laughs> go caitlin go really caitlin excited clark. for that and as i look at my bourbon glass and down this last little bit my glass is now <laughs> empty because of that, the only thing I can say is cheers. Cheers.